First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 727 of First Class Fatherhood. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for stopping by. We are going back to reality TV today, and I have got Zach Bates joining me on the podcast. Zach first appeared on the TLC smash hit show, 19 Kids and Counting, uh, before TLC started to focus on his own family with a show called United Bates of America. That turned into what became the very popular show on Up TV called Bringing Up Bates. Zach is the oldest of 19 kids in his family, which was the focus of Bringing Up Bates. It focused on Gil and Kelly Bates and their 19 kids and their extended family and the whole bit. Zach is married to Whitney Bates. They have five kids together. They're on their way to trying to catch up to Zach's parents. I don't know if they're going to make it. They get the ball was set high there. But the show Bringing Up Bates, which aired on Up TV, ran from 2015 to 2021, ran for 10 seasons or so. So I'm looking forward to getting to know Zach Bates along with you. Zach Bates is going to be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Zach Bates was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. If you want to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, speaking of reality TV, I've had a number of reality TV show dads on the podcast here. As you know, Adam Busby of Outdoored, Bill Klein, Trent Johnston of The Seven Little Johnstons, and of course, my man Matt Roloff, who I just saw over the weekend. I flew out to Oregon with my daughter. I was going out there to see my niece's wedding, stopped by to see Matt Roloff at the farm. It couldn't have been a better time to stop by the, the Roloff farms. The pumpkin farm was, was rolling along. Uh, Matt gave me and my daughter the guided tour. It was so cool to see the farm in action. Matt Roloff has been on the show here with me. I guess uh, at least three interviews I've done with Matt Roloff. And earlier this year, uh, I took Matt with me to go to Super Bowl Media Day. So it was awesome to get a chance to run into him again. If you want to see any of those interviews I've done with Matt Roloff, go through the archives of the show, check them out. And my niece's wedding was incredible. Unfortunately, though, my my daughter caught the bouquet. I could have done without that moment. But uh, no, it was good. She enjoyed that. She asked me then right after she caught the bouquet, hey, Dad, am I going to get my first crush? And I said, yeah, you show me the guy and I'll crush him. But we had a blast at the wedding, so I got to say congratulations to my niece, Christine, and her husband, Fabian. They are first-class parents all the way. Great to get a chance to be a part of their wedding. Grateful that me and my daughter got a chance to have a great daddy-daughter experience of flying across the country. It was a lot packed into our like four-day trip there, seeing Matt Roloff at the farm, driving up to go see the wedding. It was really cool. Uh, we had a great time, uh, Emily and I, on the entire trip. And it was great to come home because one thing about traveling that I love is when I get to come home to that my pillow mattress topper. I miss it when I'm on the road. I love it when I get home. And my first sleep back into the mattress topper uh, is the best sleep that I get. If you don't have one of these things, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Get over to the MyPillow.com website. They got the lowest price possible right now on the mattress topper. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You're going to save even more, up to 80% on some items right now over there. And they're gearing up already for the Thanksgiving Day sales. They just sent me some new memes to post. Uh, they're rocking and rolling. They're ready for the holidays. Get over to MyPillow.com. Hundreds of products. You know about the bathrobe, the slippers, the Giza dream sheets, the whole bit. Get over to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. You're going to save up to 80%. Uh, a lot, a lot of the items you're going to save 66%, but you're going some of them you're going to save up to 80% on your entire order. 
All right, so let's do this. As always, please help me spread the word about today's podcast every father in your neighborhood and your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. You guys know it. Every day is Father's Day right here on the podcast. And here comes my interview straight up with Zach Bates on First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Zach Bates. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to have you here. Let's start it like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Well, I've got five kids. Bradley is eight. Casey is seven. Chloe is three. Then um, Jaden is two. And the new baby is just here, just a few weeks old. Yeah, and, and congratulations on that. It's so cool for you guys seeing your family growing. Uh, if you could, Zach, just take one second to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, um, the main, most important thing I do, of course, is being a father, but uh, grew up in a large family. There was 19 of us. I was the oldest and got married to my wife, uh, met her, a local girl working for local Sonic and started our family. I've done a lot of different trades in life. My dad started his own company when I was uh, about 10 years old and worked for him. Then I went and did construction with a guy in the church. Went to law enforcement, did 10 years in law enforcement, court security, uh, then patrol uh, in with the SWAT team. So ha- had a great, uh, loved that. And my wife started a business a few years ago, uh, Bait Sisters Boutique with uh, my sisters. And it really took off and trying to divide the time between 12-hour shifts at work and um, being home as a dad and then running my wife's business. I kind of grew into the role of managing that it got to where I had to make a decision, you know, what, what I was going to do with my time because you only get 24 hours in a day. And a lot of, a lot of court days on my days off mixed with the 12 hour shifts and um, compared to the pay of what I was able to make at the, my wife's business, we made the decision that I wanted to invest the time that I wasn't working with my family and moved over to working full time with uh, my wife at their boutique. And I think that was a big defining moment for me and my parenting cycle was that uh, I came home one day from work and my little boy, he was uh, about four years old, really excited riding his first bicycle. His papa got him a bicycle and had taught him how to ride a bike. And it hit me like a ton of bricks that he had learned how to ride a bike. And I'm so glad that my father-in-law, who's no longer with us, was able to have that special moment teaching him. But I hate that I wasn't there for that. And I missed that milestone. And I realized these milestones are coming by very, very fast. And if I don't stop and capture them, I'm going to miss them. I'm I'm going to grow up. And I mean, my kids are going to grow up and I'm not going to have been the dad that I pictured myself being when I first had kids. I'm going to not be the one that taught them how to ride their bike. I'm not going to be the one that was there for all those moments. And obviously you can't be there for everyone, but working, working too much is a, is a difficult thing to, balance with because you want to be a good provider but you want to be a good dad at the same time and so me and my wife started praying and I actually talked with the sheriff and you know asked his advice but what would you do and uh, after a lot of counsel from different people and looking into it I um, left the career that I loved I still miss it really loved and enjoyed law enforcement I enjoy where I'm what I'm doing now but there was something special about serving your community in that way and um started working for my wife, freed up my schedule a lot. And I've been able to spend a lot more time being part of the kids' lives 
more so and watching them grow up and doing things with them. My kids are starting soccer this year for the first time, starting sports. There were so many of us, there wasn't time for us to go and do a bunch of sports. My extracurricular activity was generally working with my dad and doing things with my brothers and sisters and, you know, sports in the backyard and stuff. Hold on. I've touched something that broke it. Um, there we go. I'm back. And, um, where was it? Oh yeah. Um, so I didn't have not a lot of organized sports. I couldn't imagine my dad trying to take us to 19 different ball games or something like that. But that is something that I wanted to be able to do with my kids. So they're starting soccer this season. Um, the oldest two really wanted to, and the more they talked about it, the more excited my three-year-old got. So now she's going to do it. I mean, yeah, the more excited my three-year-old got into it, and she wants to really do it. And so now we're going to be, we're going to be a soccer family. And now they're talking about basketball later in the year and things like that. So it's just being able to watch that grow and uh, watch them grow up and be active and involved in what they're doing is very exciting to me. Yeah, very cool, Zach. And to your point, well, one of the things that was one of the blessings in disguise during the whole COVID and pandemic was so many dads uh, who all of a sudden found themselves home and not being able to go to work, travel to the office or travel around the country for work all realized by being home what they were actually missing out on. And so they got a chance to really be home, be present with their family, with their kids. And, and even coming through the pandemic, a lot of them, especially a lot of the ones I've talked to, started to make real changes in their occupation, in their job to, to either be a home more and to get their schedule where they could be more present with their kids for those reasons that you said is because you find out, wow, I'm missing out on all this stuff while I'm out here chasing this and chasing that and missing was really important in my life. And so, um, you know, that was kind of like the little silver lining that came out of that pandemic where everyone kind of, you know, had to put all their plans on hold and really focus on what matters. And I know for you, obviously, you said, you know, one of 19, if I had asked, you know, your dad, how many kids and how old are they, it would have took up the whole show. But, you know, you grew up with that big family, a lot of siblings, the whole bit. So t take me back then to the beginning here of your fatherhood journey. Then how old were you when you first became a dad? And how did that, you know, experience kind of change your perspective on life? I still vividly remember when, uh, Whitney got pregnant with Bradley and especially that time as it really ticked down and it got time to go have the baby. I was uh, definitely an excited first time father, um, probably a little overly excited if that's even a possibility, but uh, um, she went to labor. I uh, very excited, a couple false calls and just really, really pumped about it. But the first time I held him, I remember, and I still, even with the last baby, I, I, there's a, a a feeling you can't explain of immense joy, but there's also a feeling of inadequacy that there is no way that I can be the father that my father was to me, to these kids. I mean, I look at myself and I think, man, I'm, I'm the kid here. How am I going to raise this kid to be everything that I know he can be and has potential for? And you feel inadequate for the job. At least I do feel inadequate every day, but at the same time, just that immense joy of, holding that baby and seeing him wrap his little fingers around your finger. I hold my finger in their hand. He just, you know, they, they instinctively just curl up around your finger and uh, just feeling him close. I don't know. There's something you can't explain, but as he began to grow up and being able to be part of his life. And, and then my daughter came along, my daughter, Casey, who just has the sweetest personality in the world. And uh, my daughter, Chloe came after that. My wife had a miscarriage in between Casey and Chloe. And that was, uh, a little tough for us, but as each of the kids came, I noticed they all have 
incredibly different personalities. There's a lot of similarities, a lot of little things where like, oh, this one's like this one, or oh, this one's like this one and this, but how individual and unique each of each of them have been. And when you truly think your heart is as full as it can get, you think, man, there's no way I could put more love. A kid just multiplies the size of your heart and your ability to love. It really, um, you can't, you can't love them enough, but sometimes you really just don't realize how much somebody can mean to you until you have children. Yeah, very well said, Zach. And another thing that it does is it, having the kids kind of accelerates or really changes your relationship with your wife. Uh, you know, you got, you know, for me, I'm a different person now than I was when I first met my wife. We're two different people now than we were 18, 19 years ago when we met. And so what, what was that experience like for you to watch Whitney, watch your wife become a mom after being married and being in a relationship with her, watching her become a mom and take on that role of motherhood? I could not brag on my wife enough. There's no words I could do to explain what an amazing mother she is. Honestly, if you are a good dad, it's probably because you have a really good wife that's making you a good dad. My wife is always there reminding me of things coming up with the kids, um, making sure that the house is running smooth. She's got a natural talent for it. I try to pitch in and help out. And I feel uh, days I don't see how she gets things done like she gets them done. When I'm home by myself with the kids and I'm doing school, I'm about two hours later than she is finishing school. We do all the school. Um, I end up with the house looking like a tornado wrecked through it half the time if I'm there by myself with the kids. My wife probably raises me as much as she raises the kids, it feels like, but I'm truly blessed in how much she loves being a mother. And when you've got a wife that enjoys being a mom, that one coming through. When you've got a wife that enjoys being a mom, I think that makes all the difference in the world. And we have both changed. And I think my parenting, parenting style evolves too. I watched my parents and, and I revert back to what they did a lot because, you know, I've, I really loved a lot of the things my parents did for us. And I love the sacrifices they made for us and seeing them do that. Sacrifice stuff that they could have done for themselves to do things for us kids. But I watched their parenting style change over time. Hold on. I watched their parenting style change over time and it, evolved as the kids grew and they learned things and I tried to you know they they come back and change the way they did some things and constantly evolving and I find myself doing the same thing with my kids it's a constant learning process and you learn more about your relationship individually with them and your relationship with your wife does grow it does change the way that your focus changes on things and how you still are able to make each other feel loved and appreciated and needed, but at the same time, dividing that attention between your children and your family too. And it's, it's a, it's an ongoing process that's constantly evolving and changing. Yeah. Same here, Zach. I mean, one of the things too, is just having that mutual respect. Like, you know, if my wife was stayed at home with the kids for the first 13 years. I worked for the railroad full time. I'm a railroad mechanic on the diesel locomotives. And so I, and especially when we first started having kids, I was working a lot of overtime and so every time they would ask me to stay at work for another shift, I would call my wife and ask her, hey, are you ready to do another shift? Because it's it's her, too, that's doing a double, not just me. You know, and I have that respect because just like you said, especially when we had two, then three being home alone with the three kids would be like, oh, my God. Like I was like, I, I, you know, how is she doing this all day? And so I wasn't naive enough to be at work and know that, you know, because some guys, you know, we look a lot of guys, you know, unfortunately, you know, look down so much on, on marriage, on family life. And think like, oh, what's your wife? She just stays at home. Like the stay at home mom kind of 
got really looked down upon. Uh, I don't know when that shift exactly happened, but it's a, it's really one of the most important jobs there is in the world. And so people's views of marriage has changed. I know that uh, one thing I focus on in this show, we have a fatherless crisis with so many kids that have no father in the home growing up. And it's really causing so much devastation in our country. And one of the other parts is that God's been removed from so much of our society. And faith is something that's very important in our family. I have three boys that are altar boys. We sit down every night and eat dinner together. We pray together. And we really try to put God first in our life here. And I know faith's something important to you. Talk to me, if you could, a bit about your faith and about, you know, the top values that you're hoping to instill in your kids growing up. Um, I can honestly say that without my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would not be where I'm at today. And I think that a personal relationship with Christ is the most important relationship you'll ever build on. And he is the heavenly father and he is the example looking through scripture of what a father should be. And I see the way he treats me with things and the way I feel his prompts correcting me and changing things. And just that loving father, loving shepherd mentality is something that I've tried to emulate very, you know, inadequately. But I think that uh, your personal relationship with Christ first is the most important relationship. And then that goes down to your relationship with you and your wife. If y'all have a solid relationship with each other and you could be on that same page and be parents together. Parenting is something that it, a dad can't do it by himself. And there's unfortunately a lot of mothers that are having to do it by themselves around the country. And that's that's a sad place. I know there's some dads out there doing it by themselves as well. And it's not impossible but it is diff more difficult. There's an extra challenge there. And I do see though, when you're able to have somebody, a, a, a wife that's willing to pitch in and y'all are able to be on the same page or a husband that's willing to pitch in and be the daddy or try to be the daddy could be, then I think that tends a lot more to success in a kid's life. And as a kid, I can see how much that made an impact on me. Seeing my mom and dad on the same page, seeing my mom and dad, um, pouring their lives into us and doing that together and pouring at the same time, pouring God's word into us, pouring character. Nothing is more important. You can be the most knowledgeable person in the world. And there's a lot of knowledgeable people out there. You can have all the money in the world and there's a lot of rich people out there, but a person without character is somebody that you really aren't going to find a friend in. They're not somebody you want to be around. They're not somebody you want to want going to want to emulate. And I think the most important virtue that a child can have and can be taught is good character, good work ethic, good manners, um, how to treat people better than you would treat yourself or treat them as you would treat yourself. You know, the, the golden rule, just the basics in life that we want to neglect in our chase for money or fame or power, or all the different things that uh, seem to take precedence over stopping and being a dad or stopping and being a mom. Um, there's a lot of things out there that can be had, but in the end, I feel I feel in the end, when I look back, I'm going to be more satisfied having raised my family and nurtured that love and then relationships with my family than I would be with any amount of money I could put in the bank or than I would be with any amount of prestige or anything else. And, you know, one one of the other things I did stop doing, I was a elected, I was elected to county commission for one of the youngest commissioners in my state and when I was uh, 21 years old and served four years on commission. Um, after, uh, during, um, after during that time I did get married and did not seek reelection for the county commission because I was running for mayor, ran for mayor, didn't, uh, didn't win that one. 
and went back into just living my life. And I told my wife, I said, I don't think I'm going to do any more politics until my kids are raised up. She got pregnant. And I said, I, it just takes all your evenings, all, all your time. And I was blessed to be able to serve my community, love my community. It's uh, live in Rocky Top, Tennessee. It's a little small town. And I've been blessed to be able to serve in a lot of different ways. But uh, anything that could come with that wasn't as wasn't as important as those nights and those weekends with my family versus being out on the campaign trail, being out at all the chili suppers and hot dog dinners and everything else you go to as a politician. I ended up uh, getting called back and was appointed to serve two years in a vacant seat because somebody left commission a little while later down the road. Uh, but, you know, I haven't run for office again since then because I did find a higher calling, but there's things, there's decisions you have to make and it's not for everybody. Um, I, I, I ramble everywhere, but I'm assuming you can cut stuff up, but yeah, yeah, I'll cut. <laughs> one of the things I do think that you touched on earlier was talking about stay at home moms and how that's just went by the wayside. And I think one, one important thing I, I think sometimes we want to put our values of what we think is important on other people instead of letting them, uh, kind of get with the Lord and find their own calling, what they think is best. We want to give a higher emphasis. There's a group of people that'll give a higher emphasis to a career woman. There's a group of people that'll give a higher emphasis to a stay at home mom. There's a group of people that'll give higher emphasis to different, uh, even job descriptions, if you narrow that down. But I think all in all, if, if you're following God, then everybody can't be a stay at home mom. Everybody's not going to be a stay at home dad. Everybody's not going to be able to work from home. Everybody's, but what you can do is you can find your calling and then take as much of that time as you can and pour, the, pour it into your family around that. There's plenty of opportunities out there to serve and be a good parent outside of we want to emulate what uh, somebody else that we respect has done. Okay, they did it this way. We have to do it that way. That way. But that's not the way it's, it's always going to be. And I appreciate the sacrifices that stay-at-home mothers make. My mom is a stay-at-home mom. The sacrifice in homeschooling us, that's a very big sacrifice. A very lot of uh, time and energy goes into schooling your children if you're going to actually take the time to do that properly and make sure they get an education. But at the same time, I don't look down on other people that have a good Christian school in their area and put their kids in Christian school or have a good public school that they're putting their kids in and they're making sure their kids are getting a good education and they're providing for their family because some people do have to work on the road. When we first got married, I was on night shift, 12-hour night shifts, and you were talking about taking those extra jobs at the railroad. I, rem I remember, uh, you know, you're trying to make ends meet. You're struggling. Uh, you're sitting there looking at your paycheck and the bills you got coming up. And our car went out. We had to get it. Uh, we found a great deal on a used car and, you know, needed to buy that. And being able to take those extra jobs as a sheriff's deputy, calling home, hey, honey, if I work, you know, these three extra jobs, it's going to be this much money I'm able to put put towards what we're trying to get towards here. But at the same time, that's going to leave you because of my schedule, me being sleeping every day and being gone every night for the next two straight weeks. And is that, and she was willing to make those sacrifices. And we made a lot of those sacrifices together to get where we're at now. And there's still sacrifices to be made, but I think that I didn't appreciate how much she was putting into those sacrifices and how much she was really doing during those times. 
Yeah, th- there would definitely be times, Zach, where, you know, especially when we went from two, two to three was our, our biggest challenge when we went from two to three because our, our, our two older ones weren't old enough to do everything independently. And then we had the infant now to take care of as well. So there'd be times like I'd be on the phone with her at work and I'd be like, you know, I got to stay here for a double. And in the background, it sounds like pure chaos with crying and stuff falling and just, you know, I, and I'd be like, uh, yeah, I'm having I kind of felt like, you know, I, I'm having a tough day, too. You know, I'd be but I, I know what was going on there. And, and then again, it comes back to that mutual respect for what each of us are doing together and what we're working towards. And I, and I do think, as you mentioned before there, you know, there's a lot of like things that are seducing us in this in this world right now, especially with these phones. The kids have access. There's so many things now that we never would have dreamed of being able to have access to. And even if you, you know, especially my oldest is 17 now, he's a senior in high school. And there's only so much you could do to monitor what they have access to. They know more about this t- technology than I, I'll ever know. And and even if they don't have it, their friends have it, the school friends have it, the people at their job have it. So they're, they're exposed to so much more. And so it's hopefully trying to, you know, I've tried to watch my discipline with them as they've been growing up to hopefully when they're on their own and I'm not around, they'll be able to do the right thing when I'm not there and have that integrity. So it's been important. But disciplining my boys has been different than disciplining my daughter, who's my our fourth kid and my only one. So I know yours are young yet, but so far, what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style? you grew up with um i would say every every family's style is different um and definitely every child is different there's children um that i can look at and and they'll just quit doing whatever they shouldn't do they just know from that from a look and there's other kids i'll really spend you know a long time talking through you know why are you feeling like you need to do this why are you behaving in this way what is it that makes you you know feel like this is necessary why is it easier to take something away than just simply ask? And and I have kids that are, will just walk up and grab something because they want it or because it's theirs instead of, hey, you know, when a child treats you like that and getting that around, to, hey, when you get treated like that, how do you feel? And trying to get that into there, it, it's the communication is very different with each of the children when it comes to correction and, and trying to correct behavior or influence behavior, if you would. But um, I do think that... Um, Starting over what you said there again, if you could phrase that one more time, there was something else that was really good that you said. Oh, one of the things I am grateful for is that my children aren't 17 years old yet. And <laughs> the cell phone thing, uh, they use iPads for school. And so it is one of those things that I'm constantly, you know, we've got the, um, thankfully, Apple has a lot of great parental, say, uh, parental controls and things like that for younger children, which is great to limit screen time and things like that, even though they do videos uh, for part of their school. And, uh, you know, Whitney's right there with him. She's helping him. But I dread when they get older and they do get phones. And I try to listen to a lot of that. It's like, what do you do? Because there's that decision is going to come up. And the technology is growing so fast that there's no telling what it will even be by the time, you know, they're 16, 17 years old at the leaps and bounds it's growing. I find technology is overwhelming for me already with the amount of time it consumes. All the things that are supposed to save time aren't saving me any time. They're costing me time like crazy. But I think screen time is one of the most difficult things to try to regulate and watch. But one of the things you said talking about integrity is uh, that's kind of the method my parents used with me was you're never going to be able to stop everybody from doing wrong. I was a cop for um, 10 years. And if you could stop people from the outside from doing things they shouldn't, then cops wouldn't have a job. Even grown adults consistently and consciously make bad decisions 
good people consciously make bad decisions. Um, good people unconsciously make bad decisions that lead to worse decisions to try to fix. So there's always going to be, and then there's the bad people that just make bad decisions and are going to always do that. So the best thing that I can do for my children is teach them how to make good decisions and how to, when you make a bad decision, how to correct that decision properly. How do I take a situation that I've really messed up in? And the good thing is as a dad, I mess up plenty. So I get to try to fix that plenty and, and show them, hey, you know, sometimes you have to sit down and apologize and say, and that's one thing my dad was always great, great about. If you've done something in a way that wasn't a good example, if you've done something that you wish you had done different, sit down and explain that. Hey, you know, I made a poor decision here that I wish I had made differently. And here's the evaluation process I went to to get there. And with kids, you can set as many parameters on the outside, but you're never going to fix everything. But what you can do is teach them to evaluate themselves. And uh, honestly, for me, I compare myself. You should, instead of comparing yourself to other people, compare yourself to Christ. What would Jesus think about this? And then it's not what's going to happen if I get caught. It's how am I going to feel about this? And how am I going to know in my heart about this decision? a year from now or five years from now or 10 years from now, is this going to be something I look back on with pride or is this something I'm going to look back on with regret? And I've got situations in my life that I can look back with both. I prefer to look back on the ones I can have pride in than the ones I have regret with. And, and sometimes too, Zach, like I, I know just from my own life, my, my failures have benefited me so much in my life and have helped me to, to achieve so much more in life because I failed, because I got it wrong, because I made mistakes. And I realized that my kids are going to have to go through that as well. And that's a part of it. And, and it's just being able to make them realize that the mistake is not the end of the game. It's not the end of the story. It's if you can take it and learn from it, then it's a victory. It's a win. Uh, you, you're learning from that. And it's, it, it's difficult concepts for them to grab, but hopefully, you know, repeating these things over. And I'm, that's how I'm still learning as a parent. Cause I never had a 17 year old before. This is my first year having one. So I'm learning the game as well as them. And the thing with the phones that drives me crazy too, Zach, is the fact that the, and I try to explain it to my teenagers, like you have access to all the wisdom of the entire world available in your pocket. You, you have the greatest literature that's ever been written. You, you have you, anything that's being taught in the greatest schools in this world, you can access it on your phone. You can read all this stuff. You, you can listen to music that from Beethoven, Bach, no one's making this music anymore. There's no one writing Shakespeare today. You have all this access and we're spending time on TikTok watching these uh, animal videos and all you know people get lost on tiktok for hours watching nonsense and it's amazing how we just get sucked in and seduced into this stuff that's really providing no purpose and not moving the ball forward in our life and it's like there's so many lessons so many things you can learn because of the, if you use this tool the right way it can be so beneficial and just trying to drill that into them and saying look this is a money-making machine right here in your pocket if you'll use it for that instead of but it's it's so simple to get lost in it. and one of the things people get lost in is these reality tv shows and that's my wife she's sucked in <laughs> To these reality TV shows. I know that's been a big part of your world. You've been on the reality TV shows. Yeah. What what has that experience been like for you overall? Positive experience? Uh, do you still get uh, you know a lot of feedback from all that stuff? It has it impacted your life in any negative way, positive way? What's been your experience with reality TV? Um, reality TV is a big subject, and it crosses a lot of spectrums. Uh, you know, I, I will say I was blessed. We were blessed uh, to be on a smaller network, um, more of a faith based network. The crew he worked with was amazing, um, uplifting, uh, great, great people to work around and work with. They kind of let the family do its thing and try to stay out as much as they could. Uh, no situation is perfect. And everybody gets affected by every input differently. 
you know, um, where I was at in life, I was older, I was kind of established in the life trajectory that I had before the show came along. So that was one thing I was uh, already fairly grounded into what I was going into the way I was going to be. So I don't think there was, but I think it did open a lot of the world up to me that I was not aware of. I grew up in a small town, completely surrounded by my small town. And I think in and of itself, 15 years ago, even 20 years ago, the world was a much smaller place. The internet has grown. They've torn down a lot of those borders. Uh, TV, reality TV, I think was kind of an introduction to us because we became a lot more aware of a lot of the things as we would travel, as we would go places, we would meet people, we would talk to them about places that, where they live, what they do there. And you learn a lot from different people and you learn a lot from the crew. They all came from different walks of life. And it, overall, it was a good experience for me. Yeah. Talking about the phones and all of the information and how we use information. Um, I went to college to study history. I was an avid reader growing up. We didn't have a TV. So Two things I did was play music and read. That was my form of entertainment. And I think you go back hundreds of years and see a lot of people using that same form of entertainment before we had so much TV and cell phones and everything else. But uh, that being said, studying history, uh, a man comes to mind with you talking about the cell phones, uh, Nathaniel Bowich. He was uh, kind of, he was an indentured servant that taught himself a lot of things to do with math and taught, taught himself, created a new way to occult stars, which is how you navigate with ships back before all the GPS and everything like that. Taught himself uh, logarithmic tables, um, picked up a dictionary to learn Portuguese and taught himself Portuguese from a Portuguese English dictionary. Uh, I believe, uh, and I may have some of the facts clouded, but just from my memory, I remember so many things he taught himself and I was reading his story, very inspiring story. If you happen to look up his story, Nathaniel Bowditch, but I thought if he was able, looking back now with what I have, all this access to my phone, all this information, and I seek information a lot less, I sought information to entertain myself without the amusement of a TV, without the amusement of the internet. But now that I have all of this information, instead of choosing to learn about math, instead of choosing to learn about further science, instead of choosing to learn more about history, I, I would rather watch some funny YouTube shorts or see some funny Instagram reels. And uh, honestly, the stuff, when you look back, I, I find myself laughing at stuff that isn't even really that funny. It just sets you in a mood to be amused and therefore you become amused. And I, I think that's the huge threat is the ease of entertainment is a huge threat to wanting. It's like if, you, if, if you're a kid and I am a kid uh, uh, and somebody sets a big old plate of cake in front of you, versus a plate of vegetables, you're going to pick the cake every time. And that's what we do. We feed ourselves a steady, steady diet of brain cake and our brains turn to diabetic mush instead of really focusing on how we can better ourselves, how we can better our communities, how we can focus on bettering the world around us. We just become entertained. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, we have the ability there to become more educated, powerful, healthy, sophisticated and influential. We have the power to do all these things if we did it. But again, that's that low hanging fruit that everyone grabs at. And it's just uh, 
you know, that's what, where the discipline portion of it does come in. And it's hard, it's, you know, it's harder for them because they're my kids, especially they're growing up with it. Like I, it's different for me. I never had access to it before. They've never known a world that didn't have it. So it's definitely uh, two, yeah. two parallel universes in that, in that sense. And I know now, obviously you got the new baby in the house. What's been the, uh, the response from the siblings now? How has they take, taken on the role here? Big brother, big sister. How has the new addition to the family been uh, so far in the in house? New baby coming has been uh, probably the easiest transition we've had. Baby number five over, especially, say, baby number three, which was much more difficult. Um, Bradley's older. He is completely enamored by his little sister. He wanted a brother, but he was, uh, he's been such a tender-hearted, loving big brother. He wants to come in and hold the baby as soon as his school is done. Um, Casey is just um, the most tender-hearted little girl you can always find her um trying to get her turn her next turn to hold the hold the baby feed the baby its bottle um chloe and Jaden both love to pet um the hardest one ha- with the transition probably has been Jaden because he's too little to be a big kid and he wants he sees the big kids get to pick her up and hold her and he wants to have that freedom to do that and just we have to keep a constant eye because he wants to pick the kid up. He wants to pick little Lily up. He wants to hold Lily Joe. He wants to give her kisses on her face. All the things you don't want a kid to do. And he doesn't understand, you know, being fast and being rougher and things like that. But uh, it's a it's a sweet transition. She's uh, just been a great baby. Uh, honestly, all the babies in their young stage have been so easy. I've not really had the colicky babies that can't go to sleep. Some of my family members have had those, and I. My heart goes out to those late night and early morning and restless night parenting, but I've been blessed not to have to do that. Yeah, we've had one of those here. And it is it, my daughter grew up really quick because of it. She was our fourth. And just for that reason, too, uh, especially my, my youngest son, always roughhousing with her. And she got up there. She walked the fastest, talked to uh, mm-hmm. talked the first one, you know, earlier than any of the other ones. So she came along really quick. Uh, and it's awesome to see, you know, my three boys have that opportunity to be big brothers and have a little sister. So it's been so cool. I love the family dynamic and uh, I'm up against it here. So the last thing I want to ask you, Zach, I love to ask all the dads that I do get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for that new dad? or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening? There's there's a world of advice you're going to get. You're never going to be perfect. Don't wait to be – don't try to be perfect. Don't try to pass yourself off as perfect. Realize that you're never going to be the perfect dad, but be the best you can be. And uh, the other thing I could say is 99% of parenting, in my opinion, is just example. The example you set will do 10 times more raising your children – than what you tell them to do or what you even try to show them to do. If you will work on your character, if you work on your relationships, if you will work on the way that you treat other people and the way that you do things, your children are far more more likely to try to emulate you than you could ever try to change what they're doing. Because a, a lot of times too, if you look at what your behavior you're correcting in your kids, you'll find out you're correcting your own behavior. And that's one thing that I've learned and I don't think I can learn enough, but Work on yourself and you'll be surprised how much it will help both your relationship with your wife and your relationship with your kids. Very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Zach Bates, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. You have been listening to First Class Fatherhood. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com to find out more details. 
You can order First Class Fatherhood Advice and Wisdom from High Profile Dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.